Welcome to episode 19 of Booty and Bossy Eat, Drink, Knit. (laughs) (laughs) We are making up for the last two episodes, which were vegetables. Although very vegetable focused, yes. Very vegetable focused. Although we did recommend adding cheese. (laughs) And Fanny is now going to try her ratatouille with cheese. We've converted her to our fat American ways and it is a triumph. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so now we want to remind you that it is the season for the apple cider vodka. Mm. That was our very first recipe. Yes. Apple cider and caramel vodka. Simple and delicious. Yes. I just had some the other day. So good. And we have a pairing for the apple cider vodka, which is the ginger snap cookies. Yes. Start talking about. I think this is the first time that this has happened where we were like, oh, let's do ginger snaps. And then we were both like, well, my ginger snap recipe is better than your ginger snap recipe. So we had a little sibling rivalry there. And when we actually sat down and compared them, they were pretty much the exact same recipe. (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny they were exactly the Mm. same amount of sugar butter molasses eggs Uh, the difference really was in the amount of spices and mine came from and i i can go first because i'm older so you know i'm calling bossy privilege here but i originally got mine from marion cunningham's the breakfast book and Actually, this was a a wedding gift, which was from a fellow cook. And I'll take a picture of it because you can see it's one of those pages that's well worn and spattered (laughs) with all kinds of love marks. (laughs) And I, I pretty much make this recipe as is, but I do add a lot more spices. The other thing I do is it says it makes about 40 cookies it's not enough. And doubling the recipe is maybe a little too much. So I found the sweet spot is one and a half times the recipe and adding more, more spices. So here's one and a half times, but it's the exact same recipe as your friend also gave you. So one and a quarter cup of butter, we use butter. We do not use vegetable shortening. Use that. Um, yeah. And I do usually use unsalted butter, but occasionally we have to use salted and either is fine. You basically beat that together with one and a half cups of sugar. You're going to have some additional sugar because you want to roll them in it. And then you add two eggs, one at a time. And then I add about a third of a cup of molasses. I have to admit, I don't really measure it. I just kind of look until it gets the right color, but I did measure it for the purposes of our podcast and it was about a third of a cup. So you beat that together and then you mix together dry ingredients, three cups of all-purpose flour, three teaspoons of baking soda, three quarter teaspoons salt, and then one and a half tablespoons of ground ginger, one heaping teaspoon of cinnamon. And that's all the original recipe called for spice-wise. I add one heaping teaspoon of nutmeg, 
one heaping teaspoon of ground cloves and one heaping teaspoon of allspice. And I think the ground cloves to me are really the thing yeah. that gives it the snap. Mine did have the ginger, cloves, and cinnamon. So it didn't have the nutmeg. But yeah, I agree. It really needs the cloves. And I do not add as much ginger. Mine would be one and a half teaspoons of each. I would maybe do two teaspoons of ginger. But to your taste. I think you're being stingy again. I think we've got we've looped back to what was the episode where you were stingy. A little stingy on the spicy there, yeah, booty. That was, that was the cinnamon roll. Oh, that's right. What is your deal with stingy <laughs> spice girl? You're the stingy I, spice girl. Yeah. I don't think I'm stingy so much as I am on the right track and yours is excessive. Excessive oh. spicing. <laughs> I'm extra spice girl and you're stingy spice girl. Well, so you mix it together till the flour is combined and then you roll it in about one inch balls. I, they're about the size of golf balls. And you can either just roll it in sugar and put it on the baking tray. Mine for a full size sheet pan baking it, I usually do about 12. They end up being pretty big. Yeah, they flatten out quite a bit. They flatten out. Nobody complains about big cookies, I have found. I love these because they stay soft. They're nice, soft and chewy. Sometimes with chocolate chip cookies, you make them and they're good that day, maybe the next day, but then they're not so great. And these actually keep it really well. Um, plus, I think I, you could freeze the dough. Yeah, you probably could. Bake it whenever you want to. But yeah, they're so good. They're so good. And I should tell you that I have a biweekly meeting. And one of the things that I've learned is that if you promise to bring baked goods, everybody looks forward to your meeting. As we know, Julia Child famously said, quote, a party without cake is really just a meeting. So why have a meeting when you can have a party? Exactly. Or, but I would add cookies or cake, baked goods. <laughs> yes, it makes your meeting into a party. Yeah. So one of the things I do is I'll send out a call for agenda items. And then whoever answers the call first, they get to name the baked goods. And so everybody knows what my repertoire is. The ginger snaps. I have one faculty member who said, I go to bed every night dreaming of that ginger cookie lemon curd combo. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the story of the recipe I have, I used to teach preschool and we had a parent one year. This was a cooperative preschool. So the parents were very involved. And for a fundraiser, one of the parents, and I thought this was brilliant, she said she would like to put together a cookbook of everybody's favorite recipes including mm. the teachers and and then we would sell it and I have to say those cookbooks are just gems because you get the best recipes they're everybody's family recipes and and their story that goes with it so the ginger snaps were called Oahu ginger snaps and it was it was submitted by my good friend and wonderful baker Mary Ellen Haley, 
And she said she got this recipe while living in Hawaii and they are truly her favorite cookie. As she is one of those amazing teachers, she would show up every holiday. She'd have a little bag of cookies for my kids and me. So it would be, you know, the Halloween decorated cookies, the Valentine's, mm. the Christmas, whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> I would go to bed dreaming of Mary Ellen's no. cookies. I know. When you have really good baked goods, you go to get dreaming of the baked good. And you know, you're not even dreaming of the meeting because you're going to have to go to the meeting to get the baked good. Right. But it doesn't seem so bad. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, and the cookies definitely meet the test of the larder. You're probably going to have yes. everything, maybe the molasses. That's the only thing you might have to get. You have a well-stocked larder. You're pretty well set. So you can kind of do them longer. In this yeah, that that's because sometimes you may or may not have chocolate chips, right. depending on whether you've needed to get into the chocolate chips, because some days are like that where you just come home and desperate times call for chocolate chips <laughs> or cashews. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or cashews, right. <laughs> But it's probably not getting into your ginger and cloves. Then the lemon curd. Yes. The cookies are fine on their own, but the lemon curd is like a revelation. And I had thought that mom came back from England one time with tales of a yogurt and lemon curd parfait with two ginger snaps on top. But then you told me that that was clearly a an invented memory. <laughs> yes, that was an invention. We did go to Nova Scotia and we had gingerbread with lemon curd. I took a little survey of some British people. A couple oh. of mom's friends are, well, one is from New Zealand, one is from England, and then I have a friend from England, and they all said they had never heard of gingerbread with lemon curd. They said lemon curd is something you'd have on toast or tart, know, tart in a tart. Right. Yeah. So kind of a jam, basically. Are you sure that they're really British? Because I just I just feel the tug and strength of my invented memory here. Um, <laughs> it is really good. I highly recommend the lemon curd with it just brings up that ginger snap yeah and marion cunningham does have a lemon curd recipe which i have used until booty and i did some research mm. and discovered that our friend ina has this revolutionary way of doing lemon curd because the way i had always learned to do it and and it is dicey it's almost like a custard where you boil sugar and butter and lemon zest and lemon juice and then you you dump some of that well you don't want to get it actually to boil you dump some of it in a raw egg mixture and then you add the eggs but one thing that can happen is you can end up with scrambled eggs in a sort of sugar lemon syrup and that's not very appetizing <laughs> delicious um, love it probably tastes okay well yeah, yeah. no because of the egg it kind of but Ina's method is genius. Yes. And I wouldn't have thought, I mean, even P. 
people as old as me can learn new techniques. So good. She has you peeling the lemon. So I think the thing you need to be careful about is, and I know this from doing it wrong, is you want to get just the yellow part of the lemon. So you need to be kind of careful with your peeler that you're not getting the white part. But you peel a few lemons and you put that in a blender or a food processor with sugar and you pulse that. So it makes a sort of delicious lemon sugar, sugar. lemon zest. Thing. Yeah. And then you take that out of your processor. So we are talking about a couple of bowls, mm. but you mix it with eggs and butter and the lemon juice and then you cook that on the stove. Yeah, all at once. So instead of doing the one and the other, and I think the key is you're you're basically beating the butter, sugar, lemon juice and eggs together until it's all blended and then you're cooking it on pretty low heat. I, it was pretty much thickened up after about 10 for me. You do have to stir it constantly. And one of the things that can happen it is it might separate a little bit if you don't stir it. When you first put it in the pan, I noticed it was separated. The butter was on top. The lemon juice and sugar were, but you, you stir it up, you whisk it. This yep. is where a whisk is good. <laughs> Let me just give the the proportions, which were pretty much exactly the same as Marion Cunningham's, uh, just a little bit. It makes a little bit more, and the method is genius. So it's half cup of freshly squeezed lemon juice. That was about three lemons. A stick of butter, either unsalted or regular. One and a half cup sugar, an eighth of a teaspoon of salt, and then four large eggs and the zest of three lemons. I have to say, I I was not thrilled with the three. Well, you've got the mixer, the bowl, <laughs> and that. <laughs> then you've got all the stuff from your Cuisinart or, right. yeah. And then yeah. you've got the pan. So I did feel a little bit like I was using every baking, cooking dish in my kitchen. That is true because even on the cookies, you're mixing and in this, normally I'm pretty lazy about adding, mixing the flour with the salt and baking soda and stuff. But with this one, I do mix the flour with the spices because I don't want to have a clump of. Yeah. So, I mean, and the what I usually like about it, if you make the ginger snaps, while the ginger snaps are baking, and we should have said that standard sort of cookie, if depending on the size, 10 to 12 minutes. I usually underbake them, take them out when they're still kind of soft and let them sit on the cookie sheet, put the other one in. And then once that other one comes out, you can move it to a rack. But, you know, letting them finish cooking on the baking sheet outside of the oven, I've learned is a good way to avoid overcooking them. And then you'll get that nice, crispy, crunchy on the outside and soft on the inside. It's at 350 degrees. And I, I would also say it's better to let them sit because if you try to get them off the cookie sheet right away, then they're just going to collapse on, in, onto your spatula or whatever. They're not going to be, <laughs> they will no longer be round. Yeah. So if you just wait to transfer them, I, I do like to use a silt hat when I'm using baking cookies, it makes it easier to 
get them all. That's very fancy of you. I use, so you're stingy and fancy mm, at yep. the same time. Mm, yeah. I'm a big advocate of parchment paper. Mm. I always line my cookie sheet with parchment paper and just use that. I, I don't, I don't spray it or anything like that. The other thing you can do that if you remember to get it at the store, I don't always have it in my larder, but when I see it, I buy it is turbinado sugar. Oh, and yeah. that's really good for rolling. So you put it in the bowl, you roll it in sugar, but put it in a ball, roll it in sugar, and then you just put the balls on the cookie sheet, but press down a little bit lightly. Because if you don't do that... Balls do have a tendency of rolling around, and That's you might true. get three cookies that are in a corner Siamese triplets, yes, in a corner, yes, and then they're underbaked, and everything else is, yes, that is so true, these, yeah, and that's true with the silpat, they tend to roll around a little bit more, but yes, they do like to do the turbinado sugar, yeah, and then it, it gets a nice little bit crunchier mm -hmm. you can also i know people who dip the one side in water and then dip it in sugar mm -hmm. that that it's supposed to make it crackle more mm -hmm. i haven't noticed a big difference and i feel like that's an extra step yeah because it's sugar will stick to the dough as well. yeah yeah no you you don't have any problem with that yeah. but so you can make the ginger snaps and while they're baking you can make the lemon curd but if you only have one mixing bowl and you're using the Ina Genius method, then you're going to have to clean your mixing bowl. Oh, and we yeah. discovered that if you ever get any at Costco or BJ's, they have the chocolate mousse in those little glass cups or the wee yogurt or something that comes in a little glass cup. You can save those and put your lemon curd in that to give it to all your friends and family. Yes. Well, and when we had under COVID, well, for a while, we couldn't have meetings together. And so this was terrible. So what I would do is I would package everything up and <laughs> then I would send someone out with the baked good delivery. And then we would sit on Zoom and eat our baked goods. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I had that problem of how do I put all of the lemon curd I did discover at the grocery store that they do have those little containers. Like if you go to a takeout place and they give you a little thing of sauce or something, they do sell those at some grocery stores. Mm -hmm. But thankfully we're past those days. Yes. And now we can be little piggies together in our meetings. <laughs> These are so good. Hopefully well, tell us what you think if you, well, and I should say these were our dad's favorite cookie, I think. Well, he liked all cookies. Maybe that's... <laughs> not the science experiment. That was not his favorite Oh, thing. yeah. Did I ever tell that story of the science experiment? I'm not sure you did. Oh. Okay. Well, just in case everybody forgot, like we did, tell <laughs> us the <a> story. <laughs> Well, in fifth grade, we were studying the cells of the body. And one of the things that we had to do was make replicas of different cells. 
So I had made a nerve cell and a red blood cell and a, and I'd made them out of flour and a lot of salt and a little bit of water. And I had cooked them so that they would be hard. And the next morning I came down and half of them were gone. I had left them on the cookie sheet. So half of my science experiment was just gone. And I was like, what? What happened? And then dad came down and he was like, I don't know what you did to those cookies, but they weren't very good. <laughs> and he had eaten half of them. And by the way, our dad was a scientist. Okay. <laughs> Botanist. Golly, Mr. Science. Eating your daughter's science project. And the thing that amazed me was that he hadn't just eaten one. Right. He had eaten one and then he thought, well, maybe that one was just bad. As a scientist, I better continue to test. <laughs> I have to eat all of them to know whether they're all... And I had to go in and say, my dad ate my science project. <laughs> oh, good times, yeah. And actually, mom told a great story about coming home to Ginger Snaps. Do you remember that story, Betty? Well, she said she had gone to the doctor with our grandmother and her mother, and our grandmother had breast cancer, and she had gone with her to an appointment, and, and it was pretty bad news. Things were not looking great, and luckily our grandmother pulled through, but that day was a particularly low day, and we were all little, so mom had to get a babysitter for us. And when she came home, the babysitter had made ginger snaps and she walked into the smell of the cookies baking and it just made her feel so much better and just so welcoming. Yes. And sometimes cookies are what you need to get you through. Well, yeah, I think baked goods and cooking, it's, it's love. It lets you know that somebody cares about you enough to do something special, to go the extra mile. And I don't think there's a lot that is better than that in terms of letting somebody know that you care about them and appreciate them and are wishing them well. So what are you knitting, Bodhi? Well, I went to the knitting meetup. It was actually a, a book signing for Marie Green's new book, The Joy of Yarn, which is a great mm. book. And she quotes me in it. So that's really what? Excellent. I hope you said something smart. <laughs> it's a beautiful book. If you have the luxury of having a stash that's out of control, this book is extremely helpful on getting you to assess what you have and and really enjoy what you have. Because I think a lot of times as crafters will collect things and then those things become burdensome. We feel badly about having these things that we haven't used. Yeah. And she guides you in trying to figuring out a system that you can really enjoy what you have and use it when you need it and know that what's there. So that's the other thing. I think we tend to hide what we have, whether that's because it looks messy when it's out and not everybody wants to see yarn flowing all over the place. I know. I don't know what's wrong with those people. Although, I mean, hide or just forget. You put it in this 
the special place because it's special. And then you forget that you, well, I should say, I forget that I have it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, then, and so then you're out and about and you're like, oh, I think I should get this. And you don't realize, well, I already have something that's very similar. And so this has you going through and taking stock of what you have. But for me, the game changer, here's my quote, the game changer for me was making my stash visible. Now, when I'm tempted by a sale, I can easily look at what I have and know what I want. It's really easy to buy yarn, put it all away and forget you bought it. I find that I'm more likely to reach for these skeins because I see them out in the open all the time. And that's what I did. I wound up, I'll take a picture for the show notes. I don't have all of my yarn out because oh, I have confession, <laughs> but I did put three cubbies aside for display yarn. That's like oh. my inspiration where I can just go and say, hmm, what do I have to make a shawl and a fingering weight? And it's right there yeah in a dk whatever so so do you organize it by weight yeah so i did do it by weight she has hers by color okay. and it makes for a very beautiful display when you do it by color but i think for me it's a lot more practical to have it by weight you can do it easily by color if you only have solid colors if you have variegated oh. skeins what do you do with something that is green and blue and yellow where does that go so and i do have a variegated so i do think though i remember seeing that and well and having stash envy and stash display envy because i remember how you had this set up in your bedroom so every morning when you woke up yeah first thing i see the first thing you see <laughs> so great it occurs to me that if we wanted to live out our fantasy of the skein and tipple of having a combo yarn store bar, that you could move it to the bar and then you could have your own little bar slash yarn store. <laughs> there. That's an interesting idea. I could totally see a big tower of cubbies that was the yarn. That would be really yeah. cool. I like that idea. I do worry, though, about we, we do get moths. That's one of the reasons that I put things away in yeah, so tubs. She does address that if you're going to have it open. And that's part of the reason why I don't have all of it open. But if you do have it open, that you want to go in periodically, wipe it out with lavender oil. Like if you put a lavender oil on a rag and wipe that oh, okay. when you wipe down those. So it does, it does require maintenance. It's also really fun to, if you're a yarn nerd like me, that you go through and reconfigure. I mean, well, there is the tactile. You're cleaning, but you're also touching everything. Yes. And that's, you know, you're basically living in the yarn shop and you're the, mm -hmm. yeah. You're the owner of your own yarn shop. And the touching of it, that helps with the moths too. But they tend to want to go into the dark holes. Corner, yeah. So if you're kind of getting it out every now and then. Um, well, and I have heard that they don't like, and, and I do put this because I keep mine in some big tubs, which is not really great because you have to dig down to see what's I mean I do I put them in clear stuff but but they have those ones where you can put a dryer sheet in the top 
and because apparently moths really don't like dryer sheets. Well, that's so, a great thing. Yeah. So just put a dryer sheet in with your skein. Yeah. And once I started doing that, I stopped having that issue. I love the what you said about the owner of your own yarn shop. I, I think that's almost like being the hero of your own story. <laughs> It's like being the owner of your own yarn store. <laughs> right. And here's what that reminds me of. That reminds me of Stan Lee. I recently watched a biography about him. And he was the creator of Spider-Man and a whole bunch of... Mm. So at one point in his career, he was his own editor. And guess what? Everything got published. Because... <laughs> and... That's what it's like being the owner of your own yarn store. You're like, oh, my yarn shop needs this. Yes. Well, I do. We went up this past weekend to visit a friend of ours who has a house in Maine. And she's a knitter, but she doesn't, she's not a constant knitter. And she recently lost her brother, which was really tough. So I felt like I wanted to give her a a knitting project like the Michelle Obama of, you know, you, you need something for your hands so that your mind can. And I think, I mean, we talked about that before dropping off our children at college, you need something to sort of keep your hands. And I had leftover yarn in my knitting bag from the arpeggio, the sarape. Yes. The poncho. I had not very much persimmon and a little bit of gray, but then I actually had a fair amount of the tube. And so we figured out that she had enough to make a hat. Oh, perfect. Yeah, which was perfect. So she, she got started on that and made a little persimmon edge and the, the gray was for the ribbing. And I so enjoyed sitting there and watching her work on this because I could tell it was helpful in occupying keeping the hands moving, giving you something to focus on. So the moral of that story is you should always bring a little bit of your stash with you <laughs> because you not not to be a knitting bully, but there might be somebody in need of a knitting project that yes. you can, and you pretty much always have stuff for a hat. Yeah, that's true. You don't, you don't need that much yarn. You can be as long as I guess you have the needles for it. I mean, if you want to make it in the right, I guess you can make it flat if you had the wrong size oh, needle. That's right. Yes, I got it. Yeah. But, no, yeah. I loaned her some of my Chiago, the mm. ones that you, so yeah. Yeah. So this book is really, and it's also, it also has really good patterns in it, which is really fun. So you got the first half is the stash and then the reward. Mm. <laughs> and the patterns are stash busters that are will use up things that you have so so I got to meet her in person and she gave everybody from my knit camp a little badge here it says knit camper on the go and it has like nice a, it's cute when you join knit camper you can buy all these badges for different projects like the sweater boss meaning you, you change something on your sweater and so this is kind of like the eagle scout you yeah, collect exactly. badges yeah. okay yeah so yeah we're gonna be a knit camp we're gonna have badges and some people put them sew them on their bags and do I haven't really figured out what I'm gonna do with my badges <laughs> <laughs> I should have actually I should have a sash that I could wear to like meetups 
<laughs> I know that it's 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 cute and cultish at the same time. It seems yes. to me. Yeah. Yes, that is yeah. true. It is a little cultish. So mm. yeah. So but there was a bunch of us. I would say maybe fifteen of us knit campers who met up in Issaquah at the yarn shop and got a little photo op with Marie. And she even came back to the bar where we were meeting up. It was really nice. It was really nice to see her in a more relaxed environment. Mm. She's not having to be in charge, be on, give her advice and, and answer questions and all that. Right. I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. And, and I will be hosting my own little group meetup next month. So mm. that'll be exciting. Mm -hmm. yeah and in terms of projects there's many projects well actually i guess what i was working on when i saw her and this is hopefully going to be done before i come out we'll see kind of a race so this is my poncho of many colors oh yeah and i have been in using it with the keith leonard's happiness yarn so that's like a rainbow yarn and oh then, okay and then just a gray and white yarn. So that makes the busyness of the, the rainbow yarn mm. quite so busy. I made it up. I don't really have a pattern for it because I just sort of winged it. But I like the diagonal stripes, though. And then I thought it was a bit short when I finished it. So I decided to make a brioche border. So Whoa. gonna go. Oh, look at that. Fancy. Wow, that's very fancy. I think that, oh, I can't wait to see how that comes out. It's going to be quite the spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be fun. I got the brioche border out of Michelle Lee Bernstein's book, Brioche Knit Love. Mm. And it's excellent. It's really helpful. I've done brioche projects in the past, like the hat. Oh, um, ah. mm -hmm. mine's still in a bag, speaking of <laughs> but things I, we didn't finish. Yes. Yeah, I haven't done it in a while, so it was, it's a really good book to just, you know, refresher kind of thing. So that's me. What are you working Well, other than being a knitting belly for other people, I did finish my super swirl shawl. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. Oh, I just love the colors. Oh. Um, I have not washed, and I actually, well, I just finished it today because when you drive up to Maine and back, it's good to have a knitting project so that you don't focus on your husband's driving, <laughs> which is great. I have to wash and block it, but my dining room table, which is project land for washing and blocking that is covered with I've been sewing pillows for my son's dorm room he has a, a very large sectional couch that has no pillows and needs pillows I went to this store in Auburn Massachusetts and they were selling pillows well, inserts, or they actually also had covers, but I couldn't, they were kind of weird. I wasn't really sure about that. The, for $5, feather-filled 18 by 18 pillows. So I decided to get some for my son. And then I thought, I can replace 
the ones that have been on our couch that our dog Toby yeah. has well he's a regular sexual assaulter of our pillows yes it's not my favorite quality in him I decided that I would replace the sexually assaulted pillows yeah before yes. mom comes to visit before mom comes <laughs> it is amazing how when some booty and mom are coming out to visit and we're going to go to Rhinebeck yeah very exciting but the impending visit can inspire all kinds of projects that literally have not done for well since you last visited but suddenly there's frantic sewing and everything and I do want to make a plug for last year so this has kind of become a thing where we last year we sent our son a pillow and there's a website called all about vibe where you can download a picture in this case it was a picture of Toby because okay so here's the thing about your children and I just want everybody to know this that the people that your children miss when they go off to college are not people okay <laughs> that's not people in your family the people they miss are the pets yeah that's all our son wanted was send me pictures of Toby so we thought oh we'll get this picture of Toby made into a pillow he could then have so that's his Toby pillow yeah yes so we did consider I thought it would be funny, but I wasn't sure it was worth $40 for a joke of getting a picture of me and my husband <laughs> and having him make a joke. <laughs> you do you and him on one side and Toby on the other. Yeah. yeah. But that, I think I would be the only one who thought that was funny. Well, you know what that reminds me of though is, and I don't think we've told this story about what mom sends you when you're at camp. Because she knows. Mm. Well, that's right. There's a long history of this. Yeah. So when I was at camp in sixth grade, everybody, they encouraged the parents to send a letter. Mom knew. Hi, mom. Telling things about you. Hope, <laughs> hope you listen to the end here. <laughs> so mom sent me an envelope. She sent me a very nice letter. And then she sent me an envelope full of dog hair. <laughs> Since she knew that the person that I missed the most was our great Dane, Sabina. So Sabina very kindly contributed dog hairs and she put them in a little envelope. <laughs> Did you get the dog hair envelope? Well, actually, I never went to camp. <laughs> Sabina mm. was the best dog. She was the best great Dane. She was, she had floppy ears and she was just a sweetie. But yes, everybody else was getting brownies and cookies and Jenny got dog hair. Dog hair. <laughs> Although I did continue the tradition. And when my son went to camp, I sent him two letters. One had some dog hair in it from our dog, Mona. And then the other one, because you can't stop there at that point, because when you have a mother who sends you dog cares when you're in fifth grade, you you have to exceed that. That's the bar. No. Mm. Oh, okay. So... I sent him a feather from one of our chickens oh. and I explained that all of the chickens were fighting about who would get to send him a feather. And <laughs> eventually they all agreed that t tiny Tim, who was sort of our special needs chicken mm. would be the, the one who would get to send a feather because she was 
the special chicken. So, yeah. <laughs> Is that the one that you made the prosthetic lip gloss for? Yes. <laughs> she had crooked feet. By the way, if anybody's thinking of making prosthetics for your chicken, it doesn't work. It just, it doesn't work. It, it's the, well, and the other chickens pick on her because they're like, what's the matter with their feet? What are those things? So, yeah. Yeah. Don't try and make prosthetic footwear for your chickens. <laughs> anyway, if you have a son or daughter who's missing their pet, highly recommend downloading a picture, their favorite pic, and having it made into a pillow. I think it is probably my son's most favorite thing that we did <laughs> last year. And he made sure to bring his pillow back. The yeah. pillows that I'm not that I'm making him are not nearly as special as the Toby pillow. Well, and we, speaking of Toby, you were going to tell the story of Toby in jail. And when you came to pick him up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Toby is a husky. And so we didn't know, but they're notoriously not very good at obedience. And so when I first picked him up, we called jail is really just boarding him. And when I first picked him up, I asked like an idiot oh, was he a good dog? And uh, <laughs> Since you asked. <laughs> and the woman, and, you know, A, she's supposed to lie and say, right. you know, oh, oh he's, uh, he's the best dog. I don't, how did we even have this business before you brought Toby? You know, that was what I was expecting her to say. Yeah. And instead she said, well, he doesn't really come when he's called. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, did you, did you crinkle a bag of chips? You know, because that's, and she gave me this look like, this is why some people should not have pets. <laughs> but now what we do when we pack up his food and everything is we put like a bag of chips or goldfish. And if you crinkle them, right. then he comes right away and you do have to give him a a chip bag and one time we forgot the chip bag and they were really irritated with us like you forgot the chip bag you know <laughs> it's the only way we can get him to come That's the only way we can get him back into the gate yeah but he's a good bad dog he's a good bad dog but um, well and it's I, re I remember that when our mom had a dog her reports whenever she got boarded were just glowing and this was not a good dog this was a dog oh, yeah. pretty much bit everybody barked at everybody <laughs> was like, but they would always say how great she was so much fun we love having her here because they wanted to keep the paychecks coming exactly yeah. exactly well booty i think We've covered a lot in this episode. We covered pets and pillows and ginger snaps and lemon curd yes. and Marie Green and Stash. Yes. I think this is one of our most far-reaching and comprehensive episodes ever. That about covers it. I hope everybody's enjoying their fall. Yes. And if you want to check out show notes, we'll post the things we talked about in there the recipe foodyandbossy.com if you would care to subscribe you will get a very amusing newsletter oh. that bossy writes every time <laughs> we have a new episode and 
I do have this that day. I'm really good. And also, by the way, just so people know, because our mother has asked, when we say subscribe, we don't mean that you're paying anything. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's free. <laughs> you're just giving us your email and don't worry. All you will be getting from us is the very funny and poignant newsletter from Bossy. And the nice thing about the newsletter is that I usually send it out a day or two after we drop the episode. So that's a good way to know when we've dropped dropped an episode. And and it kind of gives you an overview too. And it's, it's short. And it helps us to know who's out there actually <laughs> listening. Yes. So, yes. so please subscribe. And I think it's time to say whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Don't knit like my my sister. sister.